Mark Cavendish, Lake Constance and me. Mark Cavendish is the greatest sprinter of all time on two bicycle wheels. More about him later, much later. In fact, you can ignore me and go to the last paragraph, which is mostly about him. You see, I woke up this morning feeling a trifle lost. I'd been without part of my blue sky for some weeks now. The weather will change though, and it will come back again. But for now, I needed to fill the hollow space left inside. And it's a big space too. So I tried to match it with today's journey, and with these thoughts which I decided to write and will later record. It helps me not to miss what I do. It was not a promising start. I didn't sleep well, tossed and turned until about 5.30. So I got up, had a coffee, a slice of toast, and prepared the bike, something I usually do the night before, and set off. Not a good sign. However, it was going to be a hot day, but it was a rather cool start. The sky was a blossoming peach, then changed to a challenging metallic grey. This as I trundled down the two valleys, up to the first climb. Different journey, same destination as two weeks ago. This beginning climb was one from 250 metres to well over 600. I took it steady, slowly, used my lowest gears. I had a hunch it would be a long day. Not so much of physical effort, how wrong I was in that respect, more of the need to focus. Was I up to the challenge? That's always the hardest part, you know. It's not so much motivation, nor the final goal or destination. Rather, to fill one's mind with nothing at all. As if, as if somehow you can allow the landscapes to pass through you as you pass through it. Zen and the art of, well, nothing at all, really. So the very first part was rather, no, very troubling. Longer than I thought, slower than I expected. And as I usually leave earlier for this type of sojourn, full with morning commuting traffic, belching fumes, breaking speed limits and leaving me, the yellow snail, slowly, mildly, even innocently crawling on the cycle lane in a series of switchback herping bends that took me, finally, out of the main Remstal, above the tree line, along undulating curves to the industrial sprawl of Göppingen in the Filstal, the next valley south. Now, having grown up in a beauty and beast landscape myself, it was a rather painful reminder of the necessity and success of business and manufacturing, as well as the need for the necessary infrastructure to sustain wholesale marketing, distribution centres and storage, as well as employment and, of course, me cycling through it at this early hour. You see, the beast lives cheek by jowl with nature in Germany. Every village, every town and city has its own Industriegebiet. And it's not always a marriage of two beauties either. Form and function come first. Aesthetics are something of an afterthought, though not one forgotten by the local planning authorities either. They add perhaps a colour to blend in with the skies here, a roof for landscape gardens there, or just some creator after-shaping of the buildings. Anyway, 
In this industrial infrastructural mess, it was here that I realised that my mobile phone navigation system was not working and I forgot a traditional map, a paper one, and of course, my spur phone battery pack. I suddenly felt low, lost. The tide was indeed going out and leaving me teetering on the edge of what I'd see coming in the night. My own personal low pressure arriving creepingly out of this morning blue. I wanted to go back, indeed turned to do so, and then noticed that Bad Ball Recuperation Centre, preserved from the ages as a medical oasis for the modern Deutsche Krankenkassen, it was a modern holistic place to rest and for modern medicines, and a place for me to go to that wasn't too far away. The Germans call it a cure, cure centre. So, changing my mind ever so slightly, I decided to go, well, in that direction. I wound my way up and down, battling with my rarely seen, less than confident self, myself, the private one that sits behind the professional showman, and instead I rolled and pitched across the flattened hills that led up to the voluminous forested inverted bath-shaped hills that are the Jura, the Schwäbische Alp. High, steep above Bardball, with an undulating topland, surely too deeply etched with crags and deep chasms to be called a plateau, with tortuous climbs or steigen that test one's mental and physical stamina. Yes, that way around. You see, it's not a place to feel overconfident. As a cyclist, you use your so-called granny gears. You see, all the time, well, let me first explain, they are the easiest pedalling gears and therefore encourage the light cadence necessary to get up them hills with your self-esteem intact and with only a modicum of complaints from your muscles, if you listen to them, that is. Pain, you see, is important to listen to. And yes, the Schwäbische Alp hurts. It really does. And of course, above Bad Ball, there was still no navigation at this point. So I tried the maps that comes with the phone. Only two and a half hours to go. Yes, wonderful news. My legs felt instantly justified now. The pain not going to be repeated. They, both, suddenly felt lighter, stronger, live, handsome additions even to my body that I could be proud of. It was then that I saw the bad news. Maps not available yet for cyclists. Just motorists. The time was for cars. The distance remained. I checked then with her ladyship. Shame on you, Apple. Such a nice mobile phone, but useless without a map. Now, her ladyship, meaning Lady Google, who once unleashed I knew would pester me and my battery too until we were both flat, withdrawn and not up to the job. A quick peek then, Lady Google. What have you got for me to bore me? Mirror to mirror on the wall, Lady Google, reveal all. Ah, yes. Another eight, that's eight, hours and 55 minutes to go. 
Even those Indian guru chaps couldn't meditate as I plan to do for that long. Rubber, therefore, hit the road. My legs suddenly got the message of despair from my brain. Funny that, though. I try to ignore my painful legs, but my brain keeps telling them the real news. Fake news was never my thing. I tried to convince them of my version of the truth, but alas, the truth will out. And it did. You see, because from Bad Baal, the Steiger is notably challenging. It goes up for at least five years. At the top, I felt all of my own years and 10% more, and then so. It was amazing, though, being higher up. Just a few cars, lots of shade, the sun starting to believe in me and in himself. For like me, the sun was fortified. I, with a coffee, a sticky bun, two bananas, and a kind of pastry with lots of nasty but tasty meat inside, for I needed the salt, the trail of sweat and tears behind would only increase as the day lengthened. And as the sun continued to eat too, and I mean, eat the blue of sky, washed down with gulps and gusts of headwinds that had just started to taunt and tease my growing sense of invigoration and modern sense of continual self-improvement. Aha, I thought, Calvinism and cycling, a marriage made in a university thesis for sure. Anyway, let's get back to that Zen. Inwards and upwards, actually onwards, upwards, downwards to the side and back up again, parallel for a while, I continued on with my journey, alongside the notorious autobahn and occasional movable, blockable, if not bookable, parking lot that is the A8 or the A-Act, as the locals say. And of course, another fuel stop. The sun was definitely noticing my two wheels now. My two-wheel, slow, tortuously slow, crawling south now, and in return was getting bigger in the sky. The sun was definitely warmer, and the blue sky was indeed turning to that deepening earlier promise of the dull grey metallic inside-of-the-new-oven look that heralded high temperatures for the rest of the day. Then, to my utter surprise, around the corner, and like a stretched castle strung with wires, pillars, and tiny ant-like humans in monstrous machines that turned and lifted, pulled and calculatingly dropped huge edifices of concrete, was the new, twin-tracked, high-speed, flat, no-hills, but for sure fast thrills, Stuttgart-Ulm railway bridge, being belt across the Filstal with supreme engineering thought, industrial strength, and not a little grace across this beautiful valley. In fact, this is not beauty in the beast. No, no, not at all. A bridge, you see, can be a beautiful thing. And this was. A lens through which to view nature. A viewing frame across this gorgeous valley a conjuring trick, a sleight of hand that somehow brings together a here and a there, and by default, and now and then. Perhaps, you know, only the wheel itself is a higher achievement of the ingenuity of humankind. 
this bridge is something special. And I had to go under it, around it, up, and then climb out of the valley. But by now, I was in a rhythm. Miles and miles away from turning back. I couldn't face all those hills anyway. And those hills and valley would be in reverse. They might remember me and not take pity. And my legs and brain were now agreeing on the truth, which was unassailable in its simplicity. That just after this climb, it would be done. I would be over the Alp and then ready for a rather hot, windy, downward sloping rest of the afternoon ride to Lake Constance. I tried the navigation thingy again, the now immortally named app. App, that is, to a T. Apt, to let you down when you most need it. Wrong again. It was working here, of all places, where the roof meets the sky of southern Germany in the proverbial middle of network nowhere. It was working. Nowhere but here. Now, and cyclists like me can hope that, yes, for once, it is rightly axiomatic. It will all be downhill from here. And, you know, my Navi confirmed it. That, that, I would indeed make it to my destination after all. But, you know, whoever made hills knew what she was doing. It's hard not to see hills as feminine. Now, I know I'd best be careful here, but there's something, well, there's actually nothing more beautiful, more enticing, rather more fetching than winding on a bicycle along and down, down soft curves. I'd rather be touching, well, you know, but after a climb, after looking across the rise and fall of forests, fields and roads that invite one to relax and enjoy the moment without thinking, well, it was indeed a pleasant diversion. I was so worried going downhill about overheating, my rims that is, with my brakes slowing me down from breakneck to brake arm to slow and stop be sensible speed. I had to halt a few times, not only to look again at the most remarkable phallic thing that was in the valley in front of me, but of course to let my wheels cool off in case they blew my tyres off with the friction heat between the brakes and rim. It was and remained scurry to go downhill too fast. On a bicycle, one can easily reach 70 kilometres per hour. No fun. And... I've got too much road to journey along yet. Anyway, more about this thing sticking vertically up from the valley below. It was a tower, and the tower resembled Orthanc from Lord of the Rings, epic in height, as grey as Gandalf's cloak, and as ugly as one could envisage a device of and for the production of concrete. It had everything every wrinkle, protrusion and blemish you would expect from such a device of reproduction. Yes, I'm stretching it, sorry. But turning naturally created limes, sands and stones into the pavement hardness of concrete is indeed a byproduct of population growth over the past 150 years. And then some. This was monstrously impressive. 
But all good things must stop. And leaving behind this thing, figuratively and literally, I still had five hours to go and 120 kilometres. The day would stretch out in total to around 240 kilometres. The sun would continue to ease round me from my left to in front of me and then to the right, whilst I headed almost due south. I was in familiar territory now, rolling forests, flattened hills, tiny villages, all well kept, with every field seemingly with a Catholic shrine, all well kept, with flowers, bouquets, roses and altars that bless the crops, those who tended to them, and remind us that Gruscott is a way of life and belief in the Algoi. It's a beautiful garden, the Algoi of rich, broad fields of yellowing wheat and corn. And as one approaches the lake, orchards in the hundreds with cherry, pear, apples, and of course the famous Tetanang hops appear. Inevitably, I sauntered uneventfully through Lampheim, Biberach, Weingarten, Ravensburg, Tetnang, and was then caught, I suppose, at the other end of the day, in rush hour. So I hobbled along through the cobbled old town streets with people released from Covid. They were eating enormous ice creams or drinking tall frothy beers. And then, then it was really downhill on smooth metallic made for e-bike bicycle lanes that sent me cruising past impatient, sweating, stinking bumper to bumper traffic to the lake. On arrival, there was the inevitable photograph to record and to celebrate my success, taken by a volunteer or two of family of strangers. The questions were inevitable too, about how far I had come and where are you from, with a smile of accompanying disbelief coupled with a verifying squeeze of my front tyre. It was good to do it again. It was longer and it was harder to do this time. But then, it always is. So, a little light look then on my recent cycle ride, which brings me perhaps to the more serious business of Mark Cavendish. You know, he was born on the Isle of Man, which is a tiny island I visited once in the Irish Sea when I started cycling. We are both from the northwest of the UK. He's much younger than me, and whilst not a hero of mine, he is an inspiration especially now. You see, I read the other day that Mark has triumphed in the Tour de France. He's now equal to Bernard Hinault in the number of sprints he has won. The number I can't quite remember. It's not as important, though, as his return to racing and winning after so many years absent from the sport and apparently having had some mental strain and hurts to deal with too. And so, to get back to the philosophical start of this essay, to get back to the road, to keep on it, to keep focused enough, to be mentally sharp enough to let the now of the moment expand and swallow anything that is not in the here and now. This is the hardest part of any journey. You see, it's not just arriving and it's not just the journey as that means both the inner and outer one. And it is, at its best, when it is both. It just is. Back to Mark Cavendish again. 
His training, both physical and mental, must have been so focused as to be as sharp and as keen as the wind. Today, I got over my low pressure, at least for a while. I remembered Mark's story. I don't think it was fake news. Because, you know, until you've been on the road, you don't know how hard it is to stay on it. It's easy to give in, back off, fall off, lay off, or simply just to give up. You see, my blue sky is not returning yet. But today, after this ride, I know it will. The sunshine too. The real sky, that is, the stuff of belonging inside and the sunshine that keeps it in place. Blue sky and sunshine. The people who make a difference to the road. Your road. Those who let the wind stay at your back and keep it there. Filling your sails in the direction you need to go in. Not wanting, needing. For the journey is not over. Even now, I'm almost home. Because it begins again tomorrow. Like yours. With or without two wheels. Like yours.